Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, intuitive fasting to renew your health and recharge your metabolism with Dr. Will Cole. So from the sake of studies, I'm glad that those were done. And we know that those time compressed feeding windows and the specific intermittent fasting protocols stand on their own and there's merit to them and it has healing benefits and supportive benefits to them. But in the realm of real world, out of the research, like how do I make this sustainable and practical? How does someone have a healthy relationship with this sustainably on I just want to improve my health long term? Then I do not advocate as a functional medicine practitioner for you to try to fast your way out of a poor diet. I don't advocate for you to have these extreme approaches to fasting where it's like an eating disorder disguised as a wellness practice. I think a lot of times people, they're stuck in this sugar burning mode. They're stuck with this hangriness uh, and then they fast because they had like they had junk food. So it's like uh, a punishment to them. Yes, right. And that's not good. That's not good. I would not advocate. That's abusing an amazing tool. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp podcast, best-selling author of four books and the founder of Keto Camp. I'm excited to welcome back for the third time, Dr. Will Cole to discuss his brand new book, Intuitive Fasting, which recently became a New York Times best-selling book. You might have heard of Dr. Will Cole before. He's been on the Keto Camp podcast a couple of times. He was on episode three when we talked about his book, Ketotarian and Calming Inflammation and Why Conventional Medicine Fails. And then he came back on episode 82, where we discussed his book, The Inflammation Spectrum. Today's about his new book, Intuitive Fasting. And he's gonna explain how you could actually reboot your digestive system and your metabolism with fasting the right way. He's gonna explain why he's such a big fan of fasting as one of the tools he uses in his health toolbox how fasting can actually heal your gut and reset your digestive system. We'll get into what food freedom means to Dr. Will Cole, the combination of keto and fasting and how that's a total game changer, how to use fasting to lose weight. He's gonna share his favorite supplements for fasting and we're gonna get into a few things that I love to speak about, about failing and why you're not a failure as long as you never quit and we're all Everything is on the way, not in the way, and why comparison is the thief of joy. And then we'll finish the episode talking about autophagy. Can you get too much of it? Is too much a bad thing? What's the proper balance? So we're going to get into all things fasting today with Dr. Will Cole. Before I bring him on the show, I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Health Mindful Journey. 
titled Very Informative. Very professional, very knowledgeable. This podcast is always worth my time to continue our keto journey. Thank you. Health Mindful Journey, you are quite welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm glad you always find it enjoyable and professional and it's worth your time. Super grateful you're listening to the show and even more grateful that you left it a rating and review as that really does help the show grow and expand and reach more people. Speaking of which, if you have not left the show, the Keto Camp Podcast, a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcasts, please do so today. It'll really help get this show into more hands and maybe I'll read your review on the next episode. Before we dive in with Dr. Will Cole, I wanna let you know that my brand new book, Keto Flex, is out into the world. This is 311 pages of keto gold. I outline my four pillar approach to mastering keto and fasting for long-term results. There's an entire chapter, chapter 12, all about how to do keto and fasting for women, whether you are a cycling woman with a menstrual cycle or you're postmenopausal. There's a chapter about sleep biohacks. There's a chapter about carnivore. There is the history of keto and fasting. This is a great resource for anybody who's new to keto or anybody who has been doing keto for years and wants to take their results to a new level. You could get the brand new book, which has been endorsed by Dr. Daniel Pampa, who wrote the foreword, Dr. Jason Fung, Megan Ramos, Cynthia Thurlow, Dr. Ryan Lowry, Dr. Mindy Peltz, and many other incredible resources in the keto and fasting space. Get the book right now. It's available on Kindle and on paperback via Amazon. Head to ketoflexbook.com to grab your copy today. All right, let's bring on Dr. Will Cole for the third time. What a blessing. Dr. Will Cole is a leading functional medicine expert. He consults with people around the world via his webcam and locally in Pittsburgh. Dr. Will Cole specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole was named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert and course instructor for the world's largest wellness brands such as Mind Body Green and Goop. So without further ado, here is Dr. Will Cole. Dr. Will Cole, welcome back to the Keto Camp Podcast. Hey, buddy. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're on the podcast for the third time, which is not common. I think you're only the maybe the fourth person to be here for the third time. And you're doing incredible work. You have a new book out there called Intuitive Fasting. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'm holding it up here. Such a great cover. And we're going to talk about this book, and we're just going to geek out together on fasting, which is one of my favorite topics. So let's start right here. What exactly is your definition of intuitive fasting? Okay. Uh, and before I jump into that, I really, it's now I'm competitive and I want to be the top person on the show, like the, <laughs> the most frequent guest. All right. We got to bring you for, nobody's been on for four times, Will. Who, who's in the running? I want to know. Uh, Dr. Pompa, Dr. Jeff Matheson. Okay. Uh, and there's somebody else I can't think of. So only three other people. You're the fourth. Uh, yeah. And you know, I, I've known, do I've known Dr. Pombo since I was probably like seven years old. So I know that. <laughs> I'm in good company. Some people that we know. So, uh, anyway, so I, um, intuitive fasting 
it just like anything else that I've written, it's born out of my clinical practice. I still 11 plus hours a day. I'm consulting people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers over a decade ago. So this concept of intuitive fasting is nothing new. I actually talked about these topics in passing, you know, a brief sidebars or sections of chapters within ketotarian and the inflammation spectrum. So this is really nothing new within the message of what I, I, I do clinically, but and also in, in book form. But I wanted a deeper dive in this concept because I thought it was the right time for it. And um, uh, I, I think that I wanted to have a conversation of these paradoxical things. I mean, the, t- the title is is titled paradoxically on purpose mm-hmm. uh, because it is paradoxical because it's really in part a conversation about metabolic flexibility and fasting will be anything but intuitive when you're metabolically inflexible. So it's a conversation about that. It's a conversation about how to show up for yourself to become metabolically flexible so you can actually calm the proverbial noise in the body, blood sugar imbalance, inflammation, you know, uh, dysregulation in the body, which is proverbial noise to calm that noise in the body. So you can actually hear that still small voice of your intuition and have proper satiety signaling and blood sugar balance and have a more mindful approach when it comes to food and fasting. And you will just naturally intuitively fast and eat, not because it's arduous or restrictive, but because your body is, is communicating properly uh, as far as the physiological stuff that you've, you've built for yourself. But it's also a conversation about the concept of intuitive eating that we hear in social media. And there's a book that's written in the 90s, capital I, capital E, which this book, Intuitive Fasting, has nothing to do with. But it's a conversation about lowercase i, lowercase e, intuitive eating, about well, what does that really mean? Because when you deal, when you're dealing with a nation and a world that's struggling with chronic metabolic issues, the majority of the United States has a massive blood sugar problem. They're somewhere on the insulin resistance spectrum, and they're hangry, and they have insatiable cravings, and they have metabolic problems or hormonal imbalances. All of that stuff will disguised itself as the intuition. So it's nice to say it on social media. It's, it's It sounds like a really appealing soundbite, but for it to be more than just a vapid soundbite, you need to have some metabolic flexibility. Otherwise, these things, hangriness and insatiable cravings that are physiological things are actually because of insulin resistance, because of inflammation, because of hormonal imbalances, it will go towards things that will actually perpetuate the problem. So It's really a functional medicine conversation about these topics. And it's a functional medicine perspective uh, on a mindful approach to intermittent fasting and a mindful approach to eating and wellness. So that's, I'm having multiple conversations, but it's all stuff that I see clinically on an hourly basis of how do you have a mindful, healthy approach to intermittent fasting, but how do you use intermittent fasting in a mindful way to gain metabolic flexibility so you can hear what your body truly loves. Mm. that's what it is yeah great definition and you're so right will because when we look out there not just in america but all over the world we see disease we see obesity we see inflexibility i was just on a interview with dr nasha winters and she said that it's estimated that only 12 percent of americans are actually metabolically flexible and if you think about it 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 makes sense because the average person is eating about 15 to 17 to 23 times per day they're grabbing the handful of almonds the kombucha even if it's healthy they're spiking that glucose 
They're raising insulin throughout the entire day and they're teaching their body to be inflexible. So that's why I love this conversation because fasting is one of the best ways to harness that innate intelligence so your body could actually begin to heal itself. So can you explain a little bit more about why you love fasting and what it does at the cellular level to actually heal the metabolism? Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing tool. It's completely free, right? So that's appealing to people and myself. And it's something that it's actually encoded in our, in our DNA. So researchers estimate, and I know you know this, but for people that are new to this, like, conversation. I mean, researchers estimate that our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years. Yet our world has changed very dramatically in a very finite period of time. So we are actually decreasing the chasm between epigenetics, our environment and our genetics by living more in alignment with our what we would have evolved and adapted to over time. So it is um. It is uh, something that allows our body to, because we, we, when we decrease that chasm of epigenetics and genetics, when we decrease that evolutionary mismatch, then we can upregulate pathways that are lying dormant, that are we are all born with. It's really our birthright, but we just put these healing pathways to sleep because of this evolutionary mismatch. So let's wake up these healing pathways like autophagy and support them. Let's wake up the body's ability to heal itself. Let's wake up the body's ability to, to, to calm inflammation. Let's do this. We, we all have the ability to do this, but we are living so out of alignment with our biochemistry that we have put all our body's healing or a lot of our body's healing capacity to, to sleep. So that it's really just a remembering of what we were all born with, because all babies are born fat adapted. All babies are born producing ketones for proper neurological development. So it's just taking back what is ours, but still living in the, the and utilizing the best of modernity. I'm not saying you know that all everything in our modern life is wrong, but we are we're able to live in a modern way, but we're still tapping into things that we need to that's actually encoded in our DNA. So that's why I love fasting. It's an amazing tool that I get to see clinically really improve people's labs. I deal a lot with people with autoimmune conditions and chronic inflammation issues. So if this is a this is a natural way to, to upregulate ketones, beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is a signaling molecule to lower things like NF-kappa B and lower things like these inflammasomes, NLRP3 inflammasomes that are high, and a lot of times people with that are struggling with different inflammatory problems. And can we upregulate the body's ability to improve brain function, improve mitochondrial function, or the gut issues? I mean, our gut has a circadian rhythm, certain bacteria have colonies of bacteria are higher in the morning, some are higher in the evening. So this wave-like, ocean-like rhythm of our gut garden is disrupted because of this epigenetic genetic mismatch. And fasting's been shown to actually reset our gut microbiome circadian rhythm. So from your head to your toe, I get to see clinically how these things are amazing tools for people. So I wanted to share the science and share the practical application of it because it's, again, it's accessible for just about everybody to be able to lean into. So it's very exciting for me. Yeah, super exciting. And it's free, which is why, you know, the mainstream media is not talking about it because you can't really put it into a pill. And it, we are hardwired genetically to practice fasting and feasting, fasting and feasting. So we're just going back to that primal birthright, like you explained so well. Babies are in and out of ketosis. Their, you know, breast milk has saturated fat and cholesterol. It helps that baby's brain develop. We go through natural states of fasting and feasting. So you talked about what it does for the gut. 
I'd love for you to expand upon that because I've seen some really cool research. MIT, for example, showed just a 24-hour water fast helped strengthen the intestinal stem cells in mice. So how is fasting actually healing the gut? How long do you have to fast each day to get that benefit? Mm. Well, I mean, some a subset of fasting that I explore in it, intuitive fasting or is time compressed feeding or time restricted feeding. And there are some really compelling studies just looking at some, something as simple as a 12, 12 time restricted feeding, which is so unsexy for, uh, <laughs> for people in the fasting world. Like what the heck this doesn't, this isn't even fasting, but the reality is it's sometimes more isn't always better, even though we know deeper fasts have their place. But sometimes it's just allowing your body to fast through the night until you break the fast at breakfast the next morning that your body it does so many healing things throughout the night and repairing not just in the brain and systemically, but your microbiome is actually repairing through the night and recalibrating through the night. So anywhere from a 12-12, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. you get to eat or 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. you get to eat and you're fasting through the night. You're allowing a couple of hours to happen after you're done eating dinner to before you go to bed. So just doing that, just anything, anywhere from that on to, you know, 14, 16, 18 hour to an almost OMAD approach, anywhere within that frame has amazing ability to lower GI inflammation so it's calming down the enterocytes. It's calming down the inflammatory cascades that are going on. So some of the labs that I run on patients, you, we can measure calprotectin and look at lactoferrin and lysozyme, these pro-inflammatory pathways, pro-inflammatory biomarkers that are on labs. Um, and I can see those things come down. And studies substantiate what I'm seeing clinically as well as these pro-inflammatory markers in the gastrointestinal system can be calmed with just simple time-compressed feeding or specific windows of eating and fasting, like you said, fasting and feasting. And this is, should be very clearly said that this is, should not be conflated with chronic caloric restriction. We're not talking about cutting calories. You're eating the same amount of foods. You're eating amply. You're just eating in specific windows to give your body a little bit more of a fasting time than you normally would by, by eating and snacking all day long and all through the night, you know, you know, late night snacking. So that's what we're talking about here. But then 24-hour fasts and beyond, I mean, have their place. I mean, the ability to, in a deeper way, lower inflammation, because what are you doing? It's a bigger uh, siesta for your gut microbiome. So a little bit of a siesta is good. It's better than nothing. And sometimes that's all you need, especially if you're consistent with the little siestas. But the more you give your body ample siestas, you're going to be able to re regenerate and repair in a big way because digesting food requires a lot of energy. So you're giving your gut a break to not work on digesting foods so much, even healthy foods, which requires energy. And you're giving your gut time to say, hey, I'm going to start repairing. I'm going to start resting. I'm going to start, start renewing over this period of fasting. So that's really what it's doing. And the bacteria in our gut, the microbiome, as I mentioned, the circadian rhythms actually reset too because of the resting and repairing time. So that rhythm throughout the day, that wave-like tide of the gut garden can start to find its balance again. I love how you worded the siesta. You know, everybody can use a little siesta and sometimes a little bit more is better, right? For the gut, definitely. Because like to your point, it takes massive amounts of energy and resources to process a meal. 
And one of the best ways to create a healthy gut is diversity, right? And one of the best ways to do that is to stress it through fasting. So there's so many ways to do it. And that's really cool that you could start with that 12-hour fast. So easy to do. You just go to bed. <laughs> you don't eat anything. You make sure you're going your 12 hours. You break your fast. And then you could kind of build from there. In your book, chapter one, you actually talk about the oranges and fasting, but you also have, uh, you talk about food freedom. So for me, food freedom was one of the unexpected benefits when I started to practice fasting. Like for example, just a couple weeks ago, I flew to uh, California to speak at a conference there. So food freedom for me, Will, was flying on the airplane and being handed this toxic food and saying, no, thank you, and being fasted the whole way and feeling like a rock star. So what is food freedom to you? And why did you want to put that in your chapter? Mm, yeah. So uh, this concept of food peace in the book is something that's so central part. And I talk about it in passing in Ketotarian and the inflammation spectrum, but I really wanted a bigger conversation about it because what is it's that's the heart of metabolic flexibility. So if I'm going to have a conversation about metabolic flexibility to have proper satiety signaling, blood sugar balance, better gut brain access, communication, better hormonal signaling pathways, all of that stuff you're building infrastructurally by mindfully and flexibly intermittent fasting or intuitive fasting it allows you to have an inner stillness and awareness and a mindfulness to your body and what serves you and what's what's a saboteur. And we can, like you said, we could go on planes for work or for whatever, uh, you're, while you're flying or you're traveling or you're busy at work or you're just with your kids and you're living your life. You have an agency over your, your body. You have an agency over your health. And that should not be confused with obsessive control because some people would think well that's how eating disorders start right you're you're controlling it's not about controlling actually there's such an inner peace and it's the opposite of control you have open hands for the world and you're not clenching anything you're just saying hey this is where i'm at and i eat and fast when i want to and you have the grace and the lightness and the flexibility to do that so that's what's happening on a physiological level you have ability to go longer without eating not because it's restrictive but because you can do it and you feel great doing it but then you can break the fast when you want to as well and you feel great doing that as well so that's food peace and that's what i'm discussing at length in intuitive fasting and people that are on the other side of it it's like it doesn't make sense right the idea of that can be scary it can be uh, triggering for people that are addicted to these things. It can be uh, create a lot of emotions around it. That's the dysregulation speaking. You know, that is really much they're addicted to foods in some way. Uh, and the idea of not having that next snack or that and the idea of not being bound by the hangriness and cravings, the idea of being a slave to food, even if they don't realize it is scary for some people. But just like we always talk about when you and I talk, it's like just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. If you're looking at chronic health problems, 50%, like you said, the majority, I mean, 50% is a conservative estimate up to 70, 80% of the United States has a massive blood sugar problem. 50 million Americans have an autoimmune disease. I mean, we're talking about things that are just a couple generations ago were not here. We shouldn't settle for that. And us trying to normalize that is actually that's disordered eating and and i would also say too that it is um the way that we live our life is in many ways self-harm it's not self-respect at all because it's taking years off your life taking down your quality of life is not self-respect at all so that to me the message that we're talking about here is 
self-respect and you integrating things in your life that make you feel great. So that's what food peace is. That's what food freedom is for me. Mm, yeah, respect your body enough to treat it the right way. Like Jim Rohn said, it's the only place you have to live. And you said a little while ago, fasting is not technically about eating less. It's about eating less often. So yeah, when I got off the plane, I feasted. You could ask my girlfriend. I eat like I am like really want to enjoy this meal. Like I'll feast on that meal. I'll order two meals at a restaurant. So I'm not cutting calories. I'm doing it with peace and honoring my body and not having to resort to toxic airplane food or whatever the situation is. Listen up, I've got some great news for you. My friends over at Bioptimizers have put together a truly irresistible offer that is only good while stock lasts. Here's the deal. You'll get a free bottle of their best-selling enzyme supplement called Masszymes. You'll get a free copy of their book, From Sick to Superhuman. You'll get a free copy of The Ultimate Carnivore Cookbook. And you'll get a free copy of Plant-Based Superfood Delights. This bundle has a total value of $81, but they'll send it to you for free if you fill out a short form and cover a small shipping fee. Trust me, Keto Campers, this is a very rare deal. Why should you take advantage of this free bundle offer besides the fact that it's free? Well, Masszymes is a powerful, best-in-class enzyme supplement that improves digestion, reduces gas and bloating, and provides relief from constipation. You'll want to take this supplement daily even if you only eat organic healthy food. Why? Because your body produces fewer enzymes as you age, so it becomes harder to quickly digest and assimilate food. Taking masszymes daily can help fill those gaps. After you start taking masszymes, you may notice that you no longer feel bloated after meals and that your belly feels flatter. And if you have leaky gut, masszymes could reduce gut irritation and help you absorb more nutrients. Like I said, this free bundle, which includes a bottle of Masszymes plus three free ebooks, is only available while stock lasts. So you want to go to this exclusive link to take advantage of it. That is masszymes.com slash keto free. Oh, in case you're wondering, there are no strings attached to this offer. There are no automatic subscriptions or renewals, so there's nothing to cancel. Just go to masszymes.com slash keto free to get your exclusive free product bundle. That is M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S dot com slash K-E-T-O-F-R-E-E. Now, fasting is great because you could apply it to any dietary philosophy that you follow, right? Veganism, paleo, keto. But I've seen it work best with a high-fat approach. And you actually talk about that in your book. So why do you love combining fasting with keto? Why is that a great one-two punch for you? Mm. Yeah, and and... I wanted to mention the fact that I, I'm with you on that. Those bags that you get on planes with the food. Like, oh, my gosh. I, I grab. I see people grab it. I'm like, man, like, why is that an option? <laughs> why is that thing an option? It's not even food. Have you looked at the ingredients on there? Oh, I don't even. Yeah, I don't even. I just see it. And I'm like, hey, I know you. I know you. <laughs> like, like, my kids are the same way. Like, it's not even a matter of you talk about food piece, even with the 12 and a, 11 and a 14 year old. My kids grab it and they look at it and like, eh, they'll pull the water bottle out and have that. It's I like, love it. why is that? I mean, that just because 
ubiquity doesn't necessarily equate with normalcy. And it's like yeah. the things that people are served. I appreciate the generosity from the air, airlines, but the, the food options are kind of. Totally. Yeah. It's funny because I, I flew a first class recently for the first time and, and they're giving me like this, they have like this charcuterie board. And I'm just like, even if it's healthier, I still don't want to go through that process of digesting food when my body has to deal with the damages effect of an airplane. So yeah, it's just not a good idea. No, not at all. I'm sorry. I got, I got derailed. So what, what was the oh, question? Yeah, the question was, why do you love combining a high fat diet, AKA keto with fasting? Yeah, yeah. So you're right. The, the scientific literature had to be done in the journals to look at where does the benefit of fasting come from, right? Does it come from calorie, restricting calories slightly? Does it come from changing the foods that you eat? Or is it from eating windows and fasting windows? So for the sake of studies, I'm glad that those were done. And we know that those time-compressed feeding windows and the specific intermittent fasting protocols stand on their own. And there's merit to them. And it has healing benefits and supportive benefits to them. But in the realm of real world, out of the research, like how do I make this sustainable and practical? How does someone have a healthy relationship with this sustainably on I just want to improve my health long term? Then I do not advocate as a functional medicine practitioner for you to try to fast your way out of a poor diet. I don't advocate for you to have these extreme approaches to fasting where it's like an eating disorder disguised as a wellness practice. So I think a lot of times people, they're stuck in this sugar burning mode. They're stuck with this hangriness uh, and then they fast because they had like they had junk food. So it's like a punishment to them. Yes, right. And that's not good. That's not good. I would not advocate. That's abusing an amazing tool. Let's try not to abuse an amazing tool, please. Because that gives fasting a bad name when you're kind of abusing it. Because it's not the, the tool that's the problem. It's using it improperly that's the problem. So I'm having a healthy relationship, a healthy balanced relationship with something intermittent fasting. So it serves you long term. And you can actually heal your relationship with food, heal your relationship with your body, and actually heal your body. So um, the reason why I like a ketotarian or, a, you know, again, my name of my first book, but it's sort of a Mediterranean clean ketogenic diet. The reason why I prefer this with intermittent fasting, at least cyclically, is for many reasons. One, you're eating whole nutrient-dense foods, right? It's, it's just healing. It's healthy in and of itself. But... Also, it's mimicking fasting. You're supporting beta-hydroxybutyrate, so it's intermittent fasting. If you look a lot of the research on intermittent fasting and ketogenic diet, you're going to see similar pathways explored because they're both supporting beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is the fourth macronutrient that our body naturally produces on its own. So we have protein, fats, carbs, and ketone bodies. Well, ketotarian, ketogenic diet, and intermittent fasting, fasting protocols are both supporting this. So they are complementary to each other. But also, even when you're not fasting, you're still getting a lot of the benefits. You're getting the anti-inflammatory benefits, the brain-boosting benefits, the fat-burning benefits. So they, all of these healing things are perpetuated and continued even when you're eating food. So that, that, that's super important. Number two, because you're eating nutrient-dense food and you're calor calorically rich foods that are very satiating and nourishing, it's going to make your intermittent fasting window easier. So you're not going to be like gritting your teeth and like, oh, this is the miserable thing because you're going to have an effortlessness because you're satiated and you're able to go longer into your fast and you feel great doing it. It's not miserable. It starts to, it's a therapy 
a therapeutic tool, a nourishment medicine to use that to gain metabolic flexibility. But as I advocate in the book, and as I talk about also in Ketotarian, my earlier book, is a cyclical Ketotarian approach is how I find the most people from a lifestyle, I just want to feel better. I just want to improve my health standpoint. I don't think most people always have to be in ketosis. So I think that a cyclical, flexible approach, a moderate approach with these tools can be great um, because to support progesterone and thyroid conversion and microbiome diversity, all of these key things that I really want to be mindful of from a long-term, is this a lifestyle thing for me? Well, yeah, it is. It's if you use it in a way that works for you long-term and I'm trying to have that discussion within uh, intuitive fasting. I love that. Yeah, totally aligned with me. I have a new book coming out this Monday, Will, on April 12th. That's all about that keto flexing, like flexing in ketosis. And I talk about that, you know, supporting progesterone and the conversion of T4 to T3 thyroid and why you don't want to be too strict long term. So exactly what you just said. I love that. The next thing is this. A lot of people, you probably get the same thing. So let's say somebody, a patient of yours, you know, you're on your first consult with her and she says, well, I want to lose weight. Can you teach me how to use fasting to lose weight? What would you be your response to that person? Yeah, I mean, you're right. That excites a lot of people because they hear fasting about weight loss with weight loss connected to weight loss. They hear the ketogenic diet connected to weight loss, which is true, right? But I think it's important to realize that it's repairing the body. It's repairing things. We talked about this the last time we talked, but we have to get healthy to lose weight instead of trying to lose weight to get healthy. That's really important for people to realize that when you have insulin resistance or inflammation levels in the body that are impacting your brain hormonal signaling pathways, we're actually repairing these mechanisms that are underlying root impediments as to why weight loss resistance is even an, an issue for you. So we're starting to repair that over time uh, with this way of eating. So that's someone that's struggling that wants to lose weight, that's a fine goal, but it should be a natural ripple effect of them regaining radiant health or restoring radiant health. And I would say also I'd like to really educate that person that's like interested in that topic or interested in, in achieving weight loss sustainably and in a healthy way. I would say, okay, look, this is going to do a lot of other amazing benefits for your health, and that actually excites me probably more than the weight loss. And I don't want to make light of the weight loss. I mean, if someone has to lose weight and that's good for their health, then that's going to be a goal that you can achieve. And I also would say at the same time, for people that are like, I don't have to lose weight. So is this not for me? I would say that absolutely it's for you. For people that don't have to lose weight, if you're doing it in a way that works for your body, it's actually and I've seen many ways. So I deal a lot with people with um, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's and different inflammatory issues with maldigestive issues, malabsorption issues. Actually, through intermittent fasting and eating clean and start to repairing your gut, you can actually gain healthy weight and gain muscle mass as you gain metabolic flexibility. Because I think this is all summarized in a more eloquent way uh, by Paracelsus, who I quoted in the book. He's one, known as the father of toxicology. He was living in the late 1400s, early 1500s in Switzerland. He was the known, uh, known also as the Martin Luther of medicine because he was reforming medicine at the time. He called fasting the physician within, which I think is a quite a good way, an eloquent way to say it and summarize it, that whether you have weight loss resistance or you're underweight or you're just looking for the health, other longevity benefits or the anti-inflammatory benefits of fasting, it tends to be a recalibrator of all of these issues. 
when it's done appropriately because we're not chronically lowering calories. So we're allowing the body to repair with that siesta time and then we're eating amply. So I, I, I think that that's, it's just a larger discussion. I, it's cool because people get excited about the weight loss if they have to lose weight, but it should be way more that because I don't want this to be intermittent fasting. It's, it has been co-opted by the diet culture, but I really want us to stay clear of that coming from our space and really saying, yes, this is a weight loss tool for people who have to lose weight, but we're not going about it because we are chronically starving ourselves and doing calorie counting. That's really not what this is about. We're just getting the people healthy and their body's going to find their healthy metabolic set point. Yeah, well said. Exactly. The weight loss is a side effect of taking care of that, of activating that inner physician that you mentioned. So great answer there, Will. And I hope that really helps those listening or watching because, yeah, having a weight loss goal is terrific. You know, you do want to get to that goal weight, but the body doesn't work that way. You got to really focus on health and activate this innate intelligence. And fasting is one, not the only, but one of those ways to do so. Speaking of fasting, you have in your book about supplements that support fasting. What, what are some of the, your favorite supplements for fasting that don't technically break a, a fast and start the digestive process? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it starts with liquids. I, I mean, I'm a fan of having coffee and tea. You know, I, I love my tea. So I mean, just like having Earl Grey tea specifically. I like the bergamot, which is a citrus from Calabria and Italy. Uh, with a black tea, with you have all the polyphenols and catechins that are in that tea. Uh, but that Earl Grey tea specifically with bergamot has been shown to support autophagy pathways as our body's natural anti-accelerated aging pathways, as cellular renewal pathways, which fasting does and the ketogenic diet does as well. So it's just another tool to have during your fast. It's not a supplement. So it's just an added tool that I typically will fast with tea and other types of tea too. I like I love different types of scent, green teas with sencha essential being one of them and gyrokuru i like that as well and i um like black tea by itself and there's many caffeine free teas that are out there so in intuitive fasting i wanted it like a reason to like write about teas because i love teas by themselves so i like fit it in there but it, it was done it worked perfectly because it's what I use when I intermittent fast. It's what I recommend for my patients to have anyway. So they, A, got to geek out on all the science around teas, and B, it actually will benefit them uh, during the intermittent fasting window. Now, supplement-wise, I think if the main thing with fasting, it's electrolytes. Making sure your electrolytes are optimized and supported during that intermittent fast, which begins with going back to not trying to fast your way out of a poor diet. If you're eating nutrient-dense foods, if you're eating this ketotarian sort of Mediterranean ketogenic diet, you're filled with lots of magnesium and potassium and healthy sodium levels and all of these electrolytes that you need to support you during your fast. So you may not need to supplement if you're eating this, these clean foods. But even then, I think that especially if someone's newer to fasting, optimizing your electrolytes is something to consider. So I like that you can make your own with some Himalayan sea salt, make your own electrolyte drink, mixing that with water. There are many different electrolyte supplements that are out there. I like Element. I'm sure you like them. Have you yeah. heard of Element? Yeah, totally. They make a good brand. Yeah, so it's like LMNT. Uh, Rob Wolf and his nutritionist put it together. They're great. Um, mix it in water. It tastes like... They taste good, actually. They're sweet. The stevia, monk fruit, or something like that. So it's a good fasting supplement-ish, you know, thing to have. Um, I'm fine with any supplements if it's clinically appropriate and 
you're having negligible calories, you're not having, you're not going to be stimulating digestion that much. I prefer having supplements when you're breaking your fast to give your gut the biggest break, um, especially when you're swallowing lots of supplements during your fast. It can make some people feel nauseous and then not be good. So I prefer, if you can, to use have the supplements towards the ends of your fast or when you break the fast, but it's not a deal breaker because it's not all or nothing and it's such a small amount that it's not going to break your fast. But look, I know there's certain supplements and of course medications that have to be taken at specific times. That's different. Follow the instructions for those. Talk with your doctor about those things. Um, I'm not saying to, to do that, but if you have the flexibility to take it at different times, and again, we have eating windows during the day. We're not doing super long extreme fasts here with these time compressed feeding or intermittent fasting windows we still have enough time to have have the supplements with your food so i mean there's other supplements out there i mean i think that um butyrate is another good one to support gut health during the fast in general i mean your but when your body's supporting ketones beta hydroxy butyrate i find that that short chain fast fatty acid butyrate can be good uh in general to support microbiome diversity and help bring lower inflammation levels but predominantly it's going to be just the electrolytes during the fast yeah, uh, great answer. I'd say the same thing. So if you can, have your supplements with your eating window. But if not, it's not a deal breaker. Now, with coffee, you mentioned coffee real quick. Do you ever have your patients or recommend they test their glucose before and after coffee to see if it gives them a cortisol response? Or is that something that you don't really pay much attention to? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, if I see a problem persisting, yeah, I, we would test. But here's my experience with coffee, is that if someone's already a coffee drinker, they're normally adapted and adjusted to these things the fluctuation typically happens if somebody's having too much or they are new to drinking coffee if someone's having one to two cups even maybe one to three cups depending on the person if they're used to, their body's going to adjust that initial cortisol impact and blood sugar impact is going to dissipate over time now there's the cyp1a2 gene variant some people are slow metabolizers some people are fast metabolizers of caffeine the slow metabolizers of caffeine in theory even one cup could still cause a spike but it's going to be temporary you can get that genetic information typically you can download the raw genetic data from places like 23andme and we look at these things with patients to see the bioindividuality when it comes to something like caffeine or caffeinated beverages like coffee or even tea, which tea, true tea from Camellia sinensis, like green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, puer tea, these have about a third of a cup of caffeine, a third of, of, of what coffee has, depending on how you know strong the tea is brewed. Yeah, so I, I, I don't feel like most people need to worry about it, testing, uh, if they want to, if, that, if they really are stuck at a plateau and maybe seeing maybe this isn't serving them. Because mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, there are some people that should take a break from it, should have less of it for them to start just to really move the needle for their health goals, whatever their health goals are. are. Um, but look, I mean, I, I, I think that when you have fasting, which is a hormetic effect, it's a, it's a hormesis. Cortisol is going to come up from that too. That's not inherently bad. And same with high-intensity interval training and sauna therapy and cold therapy. These are all hormetic effects. So cortisol spiking doesn't rule out for me, doesn't rule out. It's like that's bad because it's just it could just be increasing lipolysis and fat-burning mechanisms in the body. And it's a temporary thing where if you tested it a little bit later, it's going to come right back down. The bigger right. context is the person's getting healthier. 
Yeah, well said. Exactly. And, and of course, when we talk about coffee, just like you were referring to tea, you want to make sure it's a clean, a mold-free source, right? Not like a Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks sort of thing. That could be an issue. You're not getting healthy drink of that. One of my favorite ways to break a fast is with bone broth. Not just any bone broth you get at your grocery store. I'm talking about high-quality, grass-fed bone broth. The benefits to bone broth is a long list, from glowing skin, stronger hair and nails, improved recovery from the amino acids that are in the broth, helping with digestion, energy, the immune system, helping with cravings, and also brain fog. Bone broth also helps to balance out your methionine to glycine ratios. A lot of people, especially those doing carnivore, who eat a lot of muscle meat, they get an imbalance of increased methionine levels. And what bone broth could do, it has high amounts of glycine, which helps balancing the ratio of methionine to glycine, which is important for methylation. If you're not familiar with methylation, think of that as the gears and switches of your cellular health. Lately, my go-to for bone broth has been the beauty and the broth. What I love about them is that there are no artificial flavors, no preservatives, no phthalates, no sugar or salt added. They are grass-fed, non-GMO, and it contains a high amount of collagen, which is so important for your gut and your skin and bone health. The cool thing about the Beauty and the Broth is that their packets are single serve and you could take them on the go wherever you go. When I'm traveling, when I'm on the go, I'll take a few packets of these bone broths with me. You just add hot water, boom, it's concentrated for you, which makes it easy to get your bone broth anywhere. They have affordable monthly, bi-weekly, and weekly subscription programs. Head over to thebeautyandthebroth.com to learn more about them. That is thebeautyandthebroth.com. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. All right, next thing is this, because I see this a lot with my like YouTube community, the Keto Campers. You know, I went for an 18-hour fast, but I kept cutting it at 15 hours. Like, I'm such a failure. Like, I can't go to 18 hours. What would you say to that person? Definitely not a failure. I mean, that's, that's part of what the conversation that I'm having with intuitive fasting. It's having a grace and a lightness, having a flexibility and an intuition when it comes to these things that we could show when we gain some metabolic flexibility. I may think, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do an 18-hour fast. I'm going to do an OMAD day. And then I show up in the morning and I'm like, you know what? Check in with my body, check in with my energy, check in what I have going on in the day, check in with my what the heck do I want to do? And I may completely change my plan. That doesn't make me a failure. That's part of the what you're trying to build with metabolic flexibility. It's an awareness on what's serving you and what's not. And the same tool that worked for you or served you yesterday may not be exactly how you use the tool today. There should be a variability here because honestly, variability on a clinical level is actually a really good thing. It's, it's kind of mimicking what humans would have done from a food availability standpoint, all the food would it be available in the same way every day uh, from a scarcity standpoint. So from an ancestral health perspective, that's actually a good thing. You're kind of mimicking nature in, in that way. And, and the animal kingdom still lives that way. So I think that um, that's a good thing. That's all right. It's all right. We get stuck in our heads and we think it has to be this rigid plan for it to be successful. But I don't see that being the case for people. That's not the game changer. Mm-hmm. Being relentless and being stressed and making some arduous restrictive thing is not going to be sustainable for you because it's going to be you're going to feel like a failure and you're going to end up giving up or it's going to be such a source of dread that the stress and the anxiety around it's going to be such a saboteur to your health because that's junk food for the soul, stress and anxiety and 
things like that. So I would say for people, it, they need to constantly, or not constantly, but they need to re-check themselves of why they're doing these things. And more isn't always better. Sometimes you need to like lighten up a bit. Yeah, and I have a question about that, but but I just wanted to just echo what you said. Absolutely, I agree with you. And variation is the key. You wouldn't do the same workout over and over and over. You shouldn't do the same fasting schedule or eat the same foods over and over. You actually create um, a homeostasis and you stop getting results. But um, there's no such thing as a failed fast. Every fast has its benefit. And where I see a lot of people get frustrated with it, Will, is they start comparing their schedule or their results with their wife or their husband or somebody else in that same program. So speak upon that a little bit. Why is it a bad idea to compare yourself and your health to other people's results and what they're doing? That's a great point. I do see that a lot. Um, because we're all on our own journey with these things. We're all coming into whatever we're doing, whether you're talking about specific protocol, like I have a four-week protocol in the book, right? And I see this, like right now, the book came out like a month ago or so, and there's like one over a thousand people doing this challenge right now. And I've seen that in the group. And I see it clinically too with spouses. You're right. Like my husband's doing this with me and he's... <laughs> seeing different results but the community seeing that too like i'm not seeing this like and so and so said that they saw it well we're all coming into this whole process at different points of our health journey our starting point our baseline what we're up against going to be different that's bioindividuality. that's another heart of functional medicine we're all created differently and we're all up against something differently so don't compare yourself this is your journey and that doesn't mean that those things can't be pointers because obviously we're learning from other people, but it should be pointers, not like this is going to be my path because your path's going to be different. And I think communities are important, but you need to realize that they should be there for pointers and encouragement and an insight, not comparing yourself to them exactly uh, because it's not going to be exact. And look, I see that, like I mentioned, I see that clinically a lot where the patient is doing the protocol and she is doing well, she's doing really well, or she gets stuck at a plateau and she gets discouraged because she was doing well, but she's not doing well right now. And then she's looking at her husband who's doing the protocol with her and he has this like more effortless thing. Well, look, I don't want to be too general here and make broad sweeping statements, but for many women, it's not as easy as they're male partner because there's a little there's a complexity there with estrogen and progesterone if they're cycling and menstruating there's a different variable that guys don't have that we have there's that siesta time of estrogen and progesterone sometimes takes time to find that balance so if that's a layer to what's keeping you back to where your health goals sometimes you have to undo more untangling than your male partner so don't compare yourself to a guy, please don't. You're on your own journey and you're going to do great, but in your own path, in your own way. Mm, well said. I always say just beat yesterday. Just compete against who you were yesterday, the thoughts you had yesterday, the actions you took yesterday. Just get a little bit better each day and just small tweaks lead to giant peaks. So a great message there, Will. I want to close the conversation on your New York Times bestselling book, dude. That's congratulations. That's huge, by the way. How do you feel about that? What was your first initial reaction? Let's ask you that. I was sitting in this room. I was sitting in this room. I was talking to patients, right? And it was like, I guess, I mean, I had no idea. I wasn't thinking it way we would hit the list. Um, I knew the book was doing well, but you never know. I mean, there we both know people in the industry that sold tons of books 
tons of books that don't make the list. So this is not based on sales, right? So sales, you need sales, you need to hit a certain threshold, but you need to sell in the right areas and diversification and places that can report to the New York Times. It's a whole algorithm. At the end of the day, it's curated by the New York Times. But it's a big deal for people in the book world. It's a big deal for, for authors that really work hard. So um, I, anyways, I, I wasn't even thinking about it. I didn't even know the list came out that day. I was literally talking to patients and then I was wrapping up the call and then I saw all these emails from my literary agent and like the publishers and everything. Well, it was like, what the heck? So I like walked out of my office and was telling the team and it's super exciting, super fun and yeah, thankful. Yeah. Yeah. What a blessing indeed. And well-deserved. Well, I mean, you've been such a great authority in, in this, in the health space, the functional health space. So well-deserved. I'm so happy for you, dude. And it's probably not the first book you're going to hit New York Times bestselling. Are, are you planning on writing another one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So I, I actually was just talking to the publishers, uh, like the other day, basically two, two days ago about the book. So I don't have like fully worked out yet, but yeah, it definitely have some ideas and um gonna get started but who knows when it'll come out it's, okay you know, you know the book writing process it takes some time yeah yeah it does this one took me over two years to to complete this one um so yeah. it's like taking about two years maybe yeah and uh we'll bring you back and then we'll get you another 100k on instagram <laughs> we were talking offline how the last time i interviewed you you just hit 100k followers on instagram and i was just checking you're at 199k so you're about to hit 200k so we'll bring you back for 300k celebration <laughs> the, the last question that i was going to ask is you mentioned how there needs to be a proper balance, right? We have these two pathways in the body. We have the catabolic in a good way pathway, autophagy, that we love. We could use that to get rid of bad cells and clean out the house. And then we have the opposite of that, which is mTOR, mechanistic target of rapamycin, just anabolic growth, right? So that could be healing in spurts. So both of them could be super healing, but it's like a seesaw, right? We want to balance out this delicate dance. So what are the best ways to do so? Well, first, let's start here. What are some signs that you're getting too much autophagy and fasting? And then how do you balance it out with the mTOR feasting pathway? Mm. Well, a big part of the message of the book is, again, it's mindful, introspective, flexible approach to intermittent fasting. So part of that mindfulness practice, and I actually, I call them metaphysical meals in the book. So basically people can basically use that fasting time to check in with their body, like check in with their energy levels, check in with their brain function, check in with their digestion, check in with their sleep, check in with their goals. And I find that when people do that regularly, these metaphysical meals, basically of just mindfulness practices, using fasting as a mindfulness practice and using fasting as a meditation, which interestingly enough, again, nothing new under the sun from a historical standpoint, that's, and, and from even still today, a lot of spiritual traditions still do that. So it's just that it's bringing the head and the heart and the body all together to say how, what what's working for us right now. So yeah, you may be using intermittent fasting to improve your health goals, but I actually want it you also use the fast to grow your mindfulness muscle too. And I think that uh, on a physiological level, so like you said, balancing, building, and build and uh, autophagy, uh, and we want mTOR to be properly um, balanced there during the fast for the longevity benefits, the anti-aging, the um, anti-disease pathways. 
but too much of a good thing, you know, it's 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 striking that balance. And that's what hormesis is all about, is that you wouldn't be in a sauna all day long. That's hormesis. You're, you're not going to last very long. Yeah, the curve, the curve flattens and goes down. Yeah, right. More sauna all day long is not a good idea. And same with cold therapy. You don't want to sit in an ice bath forever and ever. High intensity interval training. You wouldn't do HIIT training all day long. Same with fasting. This is another hormesis, these good stresses that make our body more resilient, but too much is, is not good either. So what, how much? It, it depends on the person. It depends on their baseline. It depends on how much of this therapeutic tool is really moving the needle for them in a positive direction. But they constantly checking in with yourself to say, what's good? What's where, where I'm at right now? So if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling really fatigued, if you're feeling like you're starving, that's definitely too much most of the time. I mean, there's exceptions to what I just said. So, I mean, what's starving? It's a relative concept in people's mind. But right. I mean, I would constantly be checking in. And as long as you're eating enough foods during your eating window and you're being variable and flexible, you're not doing these deep fasts all day, every day, the variability, the flexibility will really serve itself to maintaining the striking of that hormesis balance in a way that works for you long-term. And that's why I put the protocol together the way that I did. Because it's these vacillating, ebbing and flowing windows. You're not doing an OMAD, a 23 to, to 1 fasting eating window every day for six months. You're giving your body enough eating and fasting window, ebbing and flowing, expanding and contracting. That I think will prevent that from happening. But I would say check in with how you feel. Bring some metaphysical meals into your life and see if this is serving you or not. Hey, I want to take a brief minute to share something with you. For many years, I used to take fish oil and recommend it, and I see a lot of people in the keto space overdoing it with fish oil. There are several reasons why I am not a fan of fish oil and why I stopped recommending it to all of my clients several years ago. Number one, 83% of fish oil is expected to be rancid on the shelf before you even consume it. There was also an experiment done. This study was called the Iowa Screening Experiment. This study showed it took 18 weeks to reverse the negative effect of the incorporation of EPA and DHA from fish oil into the cell membrane. Another study found that fish oil increased the risk of colon cancer in mice. Here's the quote. We found that mice developed deadly late stage colon cancer when given high doses of fish oil. More importantly, with the increased inflammation, it only took four weeks for the tumors to develop. Simply put, I stopped taking it. I stopped recommending it. I use a plant-based Omega from Pureform. This supplement is nitrogen infused, which preserves and protects it. It has the proper balance of Omega-6 to Omega-3. And most importantly, it gives you the derivatives, the building blocks, they're called parent essential oils, for you to produce your own EPA and DHA. If you wanna learn more about Pureform, head over to purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4, that is B-E-N, the number four at checkout, and you'll get $4 off your capsules of pure form. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. All right, let's go back to this episode. Great answer. And the book does a great job really guiding you through how to do this, whether you're a beginner or you've been doing fasting for years. There's meal plans in the back. There's troubleshooting. You know, uh, they ad you address everything pretty much the person needs when they're practicing fasting and feasting. Uh, so you do a really good job with your with your books. I'm, I'm not surprised that this one hit New York Times bestseller. The previous book was fantastic, The Inflammation Spectrum. You were kind of guiding the reader or the listener on Audible, congratulating them to the next level. 
Keto Terrian, same thing. So you do a really phenomenal job at relating to the person. And you kind of feel like you're, you're there with them. Like it feels like Dr. Will Cole is with you as you're reading the book or listening to the book. So uh, I didn't listen to the Audible. Is this available on Audible right now? Yes, it is. I, re- I read it. I had a lot. I read Keto Inflammation Spectrum too, but uh, I had a lot more fun reading this book. I took my time uh, reading it and the producer was really good. I got to do it like five minutes from my house as well, which I was super Sweet. pumped about. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And Gwyneth Paltrow, who wrote the foreword of the book, she read the foreword of the book too, which is cool. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, it was a cool experience. Yeah. So I have, I'm scheduled on April 17th to go to a studio here, like 15 minutes away to start reading the audible for this. So I heard it's quite the process. Well, is it? Yeah. So I, I'll tell you pro tips, pro okay. tips, take it easy. Don't rush through it. Bring lots of hot water, like tea. I had like tradition, the throat coat tea with me and you know, I, you're sitting there for a long freaking time. So like light a candle, make it like a nice area to like just chill out because you don't want to make it stressful. And like you said, like you want, like that was my intention throughout the whole time. It's like, this is my patient there that I get to talk to. I want them to get that emotion from me. I want them to get that intention from me. So you'll do great. I'm excited for your book. It's, it's, it's a fantastic book. Thank you so much, Will. I'll get it out to you. I'll get your address after we sign off here. Okay, great tips because, dude, I lose my voice a lot with all the content that I'm creating. So that throat coat tea, I'm going to get that. Uh, does that happen to you too, losing the voice with all the speaking? It does, yeah. And it doesn't with patients because I'm listening a lot and then I'm asking questions. So there's a break. Your world, like when you're doing podcasts so much or you're reading a audiobook that's a lot because that's all you there's no listening it's just you talking well i mean podcast you're listening but you know what i mean with reading a book it's a lot of just you (laughs) talking eight hours a day or more great tips there will thank you so much for being a three-peat we'll get you on for the fourth time (laughs) that's right i'm gonna be dr pompa i'm gonna be dr pompa before he comes back just thank you for showing up in this world as a really bright light very inspiring you've been very inspiring to me a friend a mentor and i just love what you're doing congratulations on your success it's just the beginning i always say 100 percent left to go we celebrate the wins but we're always just still closing that gap with our potential dude and i'm proud of you will and just thank you for your book and all that you do in this world proud of you too thanks for having me next time we do it in person again to record in person hope you enjoyed that amazing discussion with Will. I always love speaking with him. He is quite knowledgeable and he cares about humanity. He wants to make a big difference. And you know what? He is making a big difference. This is an episode that I encourage you to share with a friend, with a family member, with a coworker. Text them the link to this podcast. Post it on your social media. Post it and tag us on Instagram at the Benazadi at Dr. Will Cole. When I see it, I'll share it on my stories. And go get his brand new book, Intuitive Fasting. We'll drop a link for it down below in the podcast notes, along with everything we spoke about in detail can be found in the podcast notes. If you want to listen to the previous episodes, Dr. Will Cole was on with the Keto Camp Podcast. We'll drop that down below. It's episode 82, talking about the inflammation spectrum, and episode 3, speaking about ketotarian. If you haven't left the show, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, please do so right now. Shoot me a follow on Clubhouse at The Benazotti and shoot me a follow on Instagram at The Benazotti and go pick up my new book, which is Keto Flex. Maybe you'll put both the books 
intuitive fasting and keto flex in your shopping cart on Amazon today. That'll be a great one-two punch for helping your body heal and understanding how to do keto and fasting the right way. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.